Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are looking in Romans. Looking in Romans. We've been reading Romans. Uh, last time we read chapter 8. And now we are ready to read chapter 9. Now at the end of chapter 8, Paul was uh, basically explaining that um, nothing would be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And let's see. Well, let me just repeat this. Because you got to remember, too, he was talking about our life in the Spirit and, and talking about the things we go through and how the, the, uh, <clears throat> the things that we go through in this life, the, uh, let me see how he says that again. The sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to what we're going to get out of following Jesus. Because we get, we get a lot out of it. He talks about the glory to come, but I see also a lot out of it in this life. The benefits of following the Lord in this life alone are, are just, you know, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, the right way to say it. The benefits are just great. They're stupendous. It's uh, the peace of mind you can get from that. The, uh, the stability you can bring to your life. Um, because it's in you, it's you, you know, it's God's word working in you. Um, we don't realize it a lot of times, but we are the biggest problem in our lives. So, um, just saying. I mean, you may not like that. I, I did not like to think or think that way either. But in the end, uh, the conclusion was the biggest problem in my life was me, and so, <clears throat> so. Um, God helps straighten that out. The Lord will help you um, straighten all that out if you will seek seek Him and seek His teachings here. It is, is extremely well worthwhile just in this life. Your life will be so much better. Um, so, let's see. Alright, so at the end... Let me read the end of chapter 8 so we can continue on with chapter 9. So I'm going to start with the last couple of verses here, last three. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the end of chapter 8. Now we're going to read chapter 9. <clears throat> I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race according to the flesh is the Christ who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. Now, He's speaking the truth here, 
And what he's saying is that as far as from the flesh goes, that his kinsmen, the Israelites, he knows he's a Jew, he's an Israelite, that they, all this belongs to them. They, they, they just need to choose it. They need to believe in Jesus. Because all of this belongs to them. They are the patriarchs and everything in a, in a very fleshly, humanistic way, but, but also in a real way, all of this belongs to them. You know, and that's why Jesus came to them first. They were supposed to have the first chance, you know. I'm going to continue on. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said, About this time next year I will return, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of his call, she was told the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. So it is the child of promise that is that is the offspring, that is the true child, that is the children and I think what he's, well, let's just read on and we'll come back to this. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever, whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, what have you made me? Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honored use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? In order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. As indeed, he says in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there, there they will be called sons of the living God. And Isaiah cries out, concerning Israel. 
Though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it? That is a righteousness that is by faith? But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law? Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Now that is chapter 9. Now chapter 9, to me, just having read what I read, um, at times it sounds a little odd and it's a little hard to perhaps pick up on everything. But what, what Paul is referring to here is how Israel... Let me go back to this by just a minute. I think this is what we come down to. Israel pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, supposedly, but they did not succeed in reaching that. Why? Because they pursued it as if it were based on works, not by faith. Now, and that's this is a generalization. It's not that there were no Israelites that had true faith, as we know there are examples, but by and large, um, especially when you're thinking of the Pharisees, and Paul was a Pharisee, okay, they pursued it as if it were based on works. In other words, they followed the law to the letter as if that doing those works is what made them what saved them, what made them, um, you know, children of God. But, here God, God has made the choice to allow, not just the Israelites, but to anyone, the Gentiles also, to be called the sons of God, to be the children of God, just through living by faith. Let's see, um... Because, you know, Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, a righteousness that is by faith. Because our righteousness is by faith through belief in Jesus. It's not through any works. We've been given this as a gift from God. We are children of God because God loves us and we have accepted that love. Now, we do have that challenge to follow in the Spirit, to love God and to love one another. And love one another is in everybody because God loves everyone. It doesn't matter. But also to love, you know, those of faith, but to love everyone. So that is the difference. And so we are the children of promise instead of being the children of, say, the flesh, instead of being direct descendants of, um, say, Abraham or um, 
Abraham or Isaac or or any of the uh, Jewish patriarchs were not like oh well, I'm not direct descendant of any descendant of any of those uh, genetically speaking or in the flesh I am just not I am not one of those um, so but I am I am adopted as Paul mentioned in the previous chapter I am adopted I am adopted into the family of God and they you know like he says here those who are not my people I will call my people and her who is not beloved I will call beloved and he does mention that uh, in Isaiah in Isaiah Isaiah cries out concerning Israel though the number of sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea only a remnant of them will be saved only so many of them will believe for whatever reason only so many of them will believe in Jesus and will accept accept that um, gift of love and forgiveness through faith you know there were some even like you look at Nicodemus talking to Jesus he may not have understood but he was interested and he knew Jesus was from God so he had some basic belief already there um, and he too I believe was a Pharisee if I remember correctly so Paul is speaking at first basically that you know he's talking about his kinsmen he's talking about his kinsmen in the flesh the Israelites and how all this belongs to them if they would accept it and that he uh, let me see how, how, how I can say this to them belong all of this and he says, um, I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. But that wouldn't save them. That wouldn't do anything for them. But, you know, I'm going to read uh, Romans 9 from the Amplified because, like I said, some of this is, might be a little harder to catch, but... Um, you know, basically, Paul is talking about at first how his kinsmen in the flesh, the Israelites, they're the ones that all this belonged to initially, and they should have accepted and received all of this. But, and some of them do, they do speak of a remnant that does, but not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all who are children of Abraham in the flesh are you know, are, are children of Abraham because they are like true fleshly offspring, but children of promise, and we are children of promise through Abraham, um, well, through Jesus, but it's also a part of that promise to Abraham that, uh, that we would all come to God, and we would be grafted into that. So let me, let me read this in the Amplified. For I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me, enlightened and prompted by the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For if it were possible, I would wish that I myself were accursed, separated, banished from Christ for the sake of 
the salvation of my brothers, my natural kinsmen. In other words, if that would save them, you know, he would wish that. Who are Israelites, to whom belongs the adoption as sons, the glory, and let's see, there's a word here, Shekinah, which is has to do with divine presence. Okay. So the glory. So um to whom belongs the adoption of sons, the glory, the divine presence, the special covenants with Abraham, Moses, and David, the giving of the law, the system of temple worship, and the original promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, according to his natural descent, meaning fleshly descent, came the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, he who is exalted and supreme over all, God blessed forever. Amen. So if he could save them, he would. But you know, that's just that's just saying he wishes. He wishes he could do that. He could save them if it would if it would help them, if it would save them all. But you know, that's a wish. That's a wish. He knows that's not the way it is. However, see we start with however or you know it is not as though God's word has failed, coming to nothing. For not all who are descended from Israel, Jacob, are the true Israel, and they are not all the children of Abraham because they are his descendants by blood. But the promise was, your descendants will be named through Isaac, though Abraham had other sons. That is, it is not the children of the body, Abraham's natural descendants, who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are counted as Abraham's true descendants. This says it a little better than I was trying to say it earlier. For this is what the promise said, About this time next year I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only that, but this too, Rebekah conceived twin sons by one man under the same circumstances by our father Isaac, and though the twins were not yet born, and had not done anything, either good or bad, so that God's purpose, his choice, his election, would stand, not because of works done by either child, but because of the plan of him who calls them, it was said to her, the older, Esau, will serve the younger, Jacob. As it is written, and forever remains written, Jacob I loved, chose, protected, and blessed, but Esau I hated, held in disregard compared to Jacob. Now, notice that there's a comparison. It's not that he really hated Esau. It's just that relative to Jacob, because Jacob was the choice. That was the child that he chose. What shall we say then? Is there injustice with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I have compassion. See, it's not up for us to, to go against this. He made these choices for a reason. We may not understand that reason, but still. So then God's choice is not dependent on human will, 
nor on human effort, the totality of human striving, but on God who shows mercy to whomever he chooses. It is his sovereign gift, and that's what he's given us. He has chosen to have mercy on us as Gentiles, and that's what he's given us. Now, he also has chosen to do that for the Israelites, too. But, I mean, you know, this is true uh, undeserved mercy that he gives us so that we can be, you know, children of God. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, to display my power in dealing with you, so that my name would be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whom he wills, chooses, and he hardens the heart of whom he wills. You will say to me then, well, why does he still blame me for sinning? Which is something we ask, because we go, well, if God rules over us, then, you know, why? For who, including myself, has ever resisted his will and purpose? On the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers arrogantly back to God and dares to defy him? Will the thing which is formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does the potter not have the right over the clay to make the same lump of clay one object for honorable use, something beautiful or distinctive, and another for common use, something ordinary or menial? So, here, <clears throat> this is like if someone wanted to use as an excuse, well then why does God blame me for sinning? It's God's fault I sin. But, that's not taking into account that this verse, speaking of Pharaoh, is a specific, is a specific time, a specific purpose, much like Judas um, he was there for a specific time, for a specific purpose. And um, <clears throat> that role was going to be filled, it had to be filled. And I'm not exactly sure what becomes of that, um, but they still made those choices. I don't, I don't feel that God made them make these choices. I don't feel like that's the way it is. But I feel like he'd let them have you know, uh, the results of their choices. He let them harden their heart. He let them, because he lets us do those things. And uh, he says, I raised you up for this very purpose, though, to display my power in dealing with you so that my name will be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whom he wills, chooses, and he hardens the heart of whom he wills. So, Oh, I'll have to look at that some more. But, God does not, I, I don't think that this in any way overwrites or overrides like God overrode their will and made them be a certain way. The same goes for Judas. I think he allowed them to, like in this case of Pharaoh, he allowed him to come to power and Pharaoh was doing what he needed to do to become to come to power. And I think God knew how Pharaoh would be and how he would act, so he allowed that to happen. He allowed that to happen so that he could display his power. I don't think he purposefully um, 
overrode this person's will, just like with Judas. He allowed Judas to be where he was and to follow Jesus, and Jesus picked him. Jesus chose him knowing. And um, so he was allowed. You know, but I don't think in either case did God or Jesus override the will of the Pharaoh or Judas. They, they were doing what they wanted to do. And that's the same with us. He will allow us to do whatever we want to do. That was in one of the earlier chapters of Roman, maybe in the first chapter of that. If you choose to do whatever you want to do, whatever sinful thing, whatever awful thing, God will let you do it. Even though he'd prefer you to do the good thing, the right thing. Okay. <clears throat> so... What if God, although willing to show his terrible wrath and to make his power known, has tolerated with great patience the objects of his wrath which are prepared for destruction? Right, what if he's allowed these things to happen? And what if he has done so to make known the riches of his glory to the objects of his mercy which he has prepared beforehand for glory, including us whom he also called not only from among the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. So see, he's saying the same thing. God has tolerated with great patience the objects of his wrath. He tolerated and allowed Pharaoh to become. See, Paul is, is explaining that here. God, although willing to show his terrible wrath and to make his power known, he tolerated with great patience the objects of his wrath. And what if he had done so to make known the riches of, of his glory to the objects of his mercy, meaning, in that case, the Israelites with Pharaoh, but then with, like when I mentioned Judas... Judas is a different situation since he wasn't in control or in power, but nonetheless, Judas did serve a purpose and God tolerated and allowed him to be there and be that, what they call it, son of perdition is what Jesus said, I think, allowed him to be there and be that because that was part of the plan, that Jesus would then be, basically be our sacrifice and he would show great mercy and great love on us. So even though Judas did not have the power of Pharaoh, he still was a significant person that God tolerated and that the Lord knew about, but served that purpose. So that, let's see if I can read this. Um, so he could make known the riches of his glory to the objects of his mercy, which were us, which is us, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, including us, whom he also called not only from among the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. Just as he says in the writings of the prophet Hosea, I will call those who were not my people, my people, and I will call her who was not beloved, beloved. And it shall be that in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. And Isaiah calls out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be like the sand of the sea, it is only the remnant, a small believing minority, that will be saved from God's judgment. For the Lord will execute his word upon the earth. He will conclude his dealings with mankind, 
completely and without delay. It is as Isaiah foretold, if the Lord of hosts had not left us seed, future generations from which a believing remnant of Israelites came, we would have become like Sodom and would have resembled Gomorrah totally rejected and destroyed. So that is speaking of Israel and their unbelief that um, were it not for this believing remnant, this, this small number, then they would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah and would have been completely destroyed. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness, who did not seek salvation and a right relationship with God, nevertheless obtained righteousness. That is the righteousness which is produced by faith. Because Gentiles in the past had not sought that. They didn't know to seek that. Whereas Israel, though always pursuing the law of righteousness, did not succeed in fulfilling the law. And why not? Because it was not by faith that they pursued it, but as though it were by works, relying on the merit of their works instead of their faith. They stumbled over the stumbling stone, Jesus Christ, as it is written and forever remains written. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And he who believes in him, whoever adheres to, trusts in, and relies on him, will not be disappointed in his expectations. And the ESV here says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So I think, I think that is a better overall explanation. I know that I may not have everything perfectly, but the basic idea here is first Paul says that he, if it would help save the Israelites, he would, you know, cut himself off and be cursed, but it would not. And then he speaks of how Basically, and I'm going to try to sum this up, how God has chosen. He has chosen to show mercy on anyone who will believe, be they Gentile or Jew, is basically what it comes down to. Okay? And Paul wishes that more of the Jews, more of his people would believe. But, as Isaiah says, only a small amount of them will. And that um, this righteousness with God when it can't be pursued through works and through the law or letter of the law but has to be received in faith as as the free gift from God that it is not that we deserve it or that we earn it see uh, like in verse 16, so then it depends on human will, or it does, depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Because God says, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and compassion on whom I have compassion. So, and he does address the fact that, um, you know, That we, um, I, I can't think of the right way to say that. I'm sorry. Uh, he does really address the fact that God allows, like he allowed Pharaoh to be 
Um, but that does not mean that we are made just to be sinful in sin, and that we're supposed to use that as an excuse to sin. Um, he does address that, though, shortly, but he does explain how God allowed you know, Pharaoh to be, and that he endured them with patience, you know. He endured him with patience, knowing that he was a part of that plan. But that doesn't mean that we should be sinning and saying, oh, well, God made me this way. God made me sin. You know, that's that's not the way it works. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Um, and unfortunately, he talks about Israel's unbelief again at the end and how they did not believe in Jesus. And that they are not succeeding in reaching righteousness through the law because that has to be reached. Righteousness has to come through faith in Jesus. So I hope that I have made some sense there of this. Um, some of this is not as plain spoken as I wish it were. Though in the language of the day, I imagine it is, it is plainer. But I do understand what he's saying. So, And it is God's choice to show mercy to all of us, which is what he had always intended and what he had always wanted. When we read back in the Old Testament, when we cycle back around, we will, we will see that. So, so that is Romans chapter 9. We have read it now several times, and I hope, hopefully I have brought the points there out well enough. Let me know if there's anything I missed. You can there's comments you can make on anywhere. Doesn't matter. You can contact me on Facebook or on YouTube. So thank you very much for listening. Remember to stay safe out there and be careful and uh, watch out for others. And remember that God loves you.